0: rolling into you know, to utopia planitia for our refit it's feature please a hateful voyage to the delta quadrant my name is joseph and i'm your co-host peter and you if you are listening to this episode you have reached the end of the line of season six uh, peter and i did not review an episode this week instead we will be unpacking the highs as few as they were the, <laughs> <lows> <laughs> the and stiletto vast. heights Uh, of season six uh we're gonna hand out some awards we're gonna have some laughs it's gonna be a good time so so you'll laugh you'll cry you'll puke certainly matches what my emotions were going through this season joe let me let me tell you about my mistake okay i'm busy as
1: shit at work i've been sick i have not prepared and every year or so we get around to doing one of these RIPs, I am always blindsided by the sheer volume of work it takes to fully remember a season. Thank God I've got my notebook. I foolishly thought, well, hey, maybe I could just queue up the episodes. I'll set them to double speed. I'll trim the silence off. If you're not listening on Google Podcasts, you need to use Google Podcasts. They got this trim silence feature. It's fucking titties. I, I listened to season six up through Alice before I had to finally tap out (laughs) I just remember the notes. (laughs) Only
0: that's only like four episodes, though. Like Alice was early. It was early. It's
1: it's a rough four episodes. Uh, It's a rough fucking season. These, I say it every time, Joe. These seasons are too goddamn long.
0: Yeah, we we've remarked in the past that modern television taking uh, the the old twenty six episode format and compressing it into ten was a huge revelation, and in my opinion, that was a fantastic idea. Uh, less filler, less bullshit, less opportunities to do shit like virtuoso. But we'll get into that. Let's start with a kind of an overall discussion about the season. This is the heart of the show, right? Like season six of TNG is probably its best season, right? competes Uh, with season five, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, season seven, I always had fond memories of, but going back and watching it. Um, specifically, listening to like you know Greatest Generation talk about it really highlighted like they shit the bed a little bit. Season six is certainly the strong point.
0: So this is supposed to be when the show's at its creative peak, and instead of a celebration of Voyager, uh, this felt like a struggle most of the time to get to mediocrity. Uh, just going through the twenty six episodes that we watched, I would say. Half of them were below the Mendoza line of watchable. Maybe only a few hit that F minus level, uh, but there was a lot of like D level content in this season that was just not at all good. And it, uh, it was really frustrating week in and week out having to say the same shit about the show of like, how is it that it's bad at this point? I don't get it.
1: It is inexcusable because they're, again, uh, time number 56. There's such potential that Voyager simply fails to achieve. They've told some fucking great stories. And even in the bad episodes, there's good B plots. There's great cold openers. There is so much fruit on the tree. And all I have to do is just reach up and swat at it and good stories and good moments could fall down. And it feels like the show goes out of its way to avoid those situations like the plague. And when they do happen, it, it feels like this
0: rare moment of magic. Like, yeah, when it comes together, it's like, oh, okay. So you do have some self-awareness about what uh, is is good about the show.
1: There's a quote that Neelix throws out and I forget which episode it was one of the earlier ones um, where, neelix says uh you know in the talaxian culture we believe that daydreams are um brief glimpses into alternate realities where you see things that could have been and i feel like that's what happens with this show when there's actually something good uh that's self-referential that plays in the expanded universe that voyager has created for itself you see what could have been a really fucking rad show and then it snaps back to the ship in a bottle the story in a bottle homeostasis syndicated bullshit
0: since a lot of this won't be worthy of the highest highs and the lowest lows when I'm talking about season six failures I'm talking about stuff like tinker tenor doctor spy talking about one small step
1: which I completely forgot even fucking existed until I went to my notes
0: yeah uh, I'm talking about Voyager conspiracy both of the episodes with the Irish, which didn't even make my bottom three spoiler alert. they weren't as bad as some of the other stuff that we watched. I feel like poop's falling out of my mouth when I say I agree. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just all of this stuff that's just why why we're almost done with this show. There is so much you can be doing. That is so better than this. And instead, I have to watch an episode where Seven of Nine gets into space WWE against The Rock. And you and you manage to make that shitty. It's just that's season six in a nutshell. Whoever tells you that Voyager is best and it's like here. I guess season seven is probably the best season of Voyager. We'll discuss that here at the end. There's a lot to look forward to there, admittedly. But man, this was real bad and I do not understand anyone giving this a pass. Uh,
1: I will complain about it heavily, but I feel like the abusive nature of this season, especially in the beginning, it took so much hard work to through season three, four, five to get Voyager into a serviceable state and they threw it all in the fucking trash and they put everybody back on their, their pilot character arc loop. Everybody went through the same motions. We got the same stories over and over again for the first half of the season. Um, I agree. Season six, I, season seven is going to have to be fucking amazing because I think, I think you're right. Voyager has peaked for me personally. Season three, maybe season four, you got some rad fringe sci-fi stuff going on. Uh, you got Voyager. Voyager more brazen to to go against the established norms of star trek and we got some some cool uh out there sci-fi crazy stuff
0: like they're in an untamed part of the galaxy which is the whole premise of the fucking show
1: they like were in the an untamed world. production cycle with people who are willing to to try new things and this just felt like I don't know. Get back. Get back to coloring inside the lines. Um, this is going to be an easy season for us to go on and on about the low points. Let's let's start with some positive stuff.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. Uh, do you want to give your top three episodes first? All right. Um, I'm going to give my special
1: mention. I think to uh, to Child's Play, which had a super rad ending. With the uh, turns out each he's a bioweapon and the space Amish are genetic (laughs) masterminds. Crowley's a bad guy
0: after all, but not as bad as his wife.
1: (laughs) Like I ended up enjoying that way more than I thought I would have. But my top three. Live fast and prosper, which is an episode I think you nailed in the head when you said it is a peak Voyager episode because only Voyager could have possibly told that story. And it was. It was interesting. It was clever. It fucking juked me out so hard. It was self-referential to and really rewarding to longtime viewers that know that new Jack Neelix and Convict Tom should be the street smarts. Uh, great payoff at the end. Um, loved Lifeline. Uh, you'll recall that as our podcast where I suck Robert Picardo's dick for about an hour.
0: <laughs> Constant, just like tickled the balls like you were going for the full shaft. Which if, I respect if there was a
1: uh, a cable TV network dedicated to guys like the, the but along the lines of like um, Lifetime TV Lifeline would have been a very special <laughs> made for TV movie for me. It's specifically. a very special episode. Yeah, yeah. Real heart when we there. But I'm going to have to give my my favorite episode, I think, of this season to Blink of an Eye. Uh, blink of an Eye, great sci fi. uh fun sets Uh, i don't know it it touched all the right sci-fi buttons for me i loved it
0: so all four of your picks your special mention and your top three are the exact same ones i picked just in a different order so let me let me lay it out my my special accommodation was actually for both pathfinder and lifeline I'm not putting them in my top three because they are fucking episodes of next generation that (laughs) snuck their way into this show. Mm -hmm. So that Voyager does not get credit for Barkley and Troy. Okay. Like not giving them credit for that. They don't deserve it this season. They didn't earn it, but those are two clear standout episodes. Uh, We have, we spoke at length already recently about Lifeline, but Pathfinder was great. It was like the Barkley show, right? Like it was entirely his, to carry it. and you know Dwight Schultz did a, a fantastic job with carrying it. Like it's taking this established character from TNG this that had a decent amount of episodes that were about him and like carrying that like where is where is Barclay in his life now after he leaves Voyager? How is he or after he leaves the Enterprise? How is he dealing with that? Like and what happens? His obsessive nature of his personality emerges, but he's also secretly brilliant. It's a great piece on him. But he's not a fucking Voyager character. <laughs> <laughs> so no credit given, but still want to acknowledge it. Uh, my number three was actually just a uh, uh, child's play. As you, as you mentioned, it's kind of a great horror, horror episode about the living under the kind of this weird boot heel of the Borg and what it reduced them to. And in the end, you're kind of left with that unease of like, is what they're doing truly incorrect when you look at it at a, like a, a macro level to, to, to defeat them. we've Mm -hmm. we've brought up a lot like Voyager gets all these opportunities to seriously fuck with the Borg that they keep taking hard passes on that doesn't seem like it it shoots as straight as maybe the writers intended it to. Turns out it makes a great episode. So my number two was Live Fast and Prosper for the same reason you mentioned. Again, it's about con artists. It really redeemed Neelix and Tom in a material fashion and it it, it jukes you as the audience it made you think like that this wasn't going to be about tom and neelix doing crimes and then it was uh and then the 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 number one episode of the season for me is blink of an eye because it was actually a great sci-fi episode it was this great trek episode that had to do with this extremely weird science thing that voyager found and they they managed to build a really cool and interesting world that they were interacting with in 45 minutes. You know, I think that that's a feat where you like cared about what was going on to these people as they dealt with their interactions with Voyager and how it was impacting their society. And they did a lot to just paint a picture for you. A very detailed picture right down to like,
1: Hey, all these buildings have way too much steel and handlebars everywhere. Like just great detail
0: work. Everybody was on their a game in that episode a yeah, good guest star you know just it really did everything correctly and it's definitely the best episode of got season. to shine yeah oh the whole subplot with the doctor living a whole life down there <laughs> like faller it's great all of it was great uh let's go with the best character award so i think that this is a far and away no doubter slam dunk seven of nine this was her really? season yeah really? this was her season what, what was good about this season was Seven of Nine's establishment of her character as someone who was coming into her humanity. Uh, there was a lot of good moments like we, this was we had that scene where she was kind of talking to Neelix about like how she felt guilty about what she did as a drone, you know, and she's like, of course, I feel guilty about that. Like, you know, the point is, however, I can't go back in time and fix all of those things all I can do now. But it's Voyager, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> accurate <laughs> the she she you know has to the whole arc where she starts raising the Borg children you know this is goes back to her own trauma of being assimilated as a as a kid in fact the second episode has to do with her insecurities and having to take ownership of the mistakes that she made was, they did a lot to help develop her character into something that was actually growing the season and so Without a doubt, I consider it my top.
1: I acknowledge your choices in that. Curiously, she didn't even come up on my list. Initially, I was going to say the best character for the season was Barkley. Uh, <laughs> but in light, you're, you're right. I guess he's not really a Voyager character. He is next gen. Um, I, I was leaning towards Chakotay. I, he continues to cement himself as the voice of audience reason. Uh, he has a couple really great times where he goes head to head against Janeway. I feel he's completely justified. Um, I don't know if he really had any like super breakout moments, but I just felt like consistently uh, I liked where he always was. The portrayals were always good, the acting was good, and the script never really did him dirty. Um, I, but I agree
0: that like he, Chakotay wasn't done dirty, but I wouldn't consider what he did anything special. It was mm-hmm. just competent,
1: which is why ultimately. Uh, I would think I was going to give the best character word to baby Borg. <laughs> baby Borg in the maturation chamber just stole my heart. I love baby yeah. Borg. You're in terrifying, Borg. but you're cute. Unfortunately, not even baby Borg could hold on to the best character for the best character. at season six. I'm giving my nomination, my endorsement to none other than That's
0: It's Sh- Shocky Sh- was the underrated MVP of season six. We never knew about until the end. His his
1: teeth shocking of Tom, his shocking of seven of nine, his shocking of Tuvok. Uh I love it. I'll just I'll eat up with a spoon, man.
0: ditching shocky right before running into the Borg again, man. What a what an L. Yeah. What an L, man. Like they could have really used his help. Absolutely. Let's pivot that into the worst character. So my worst character is going to um kind of dovetail into what I consider the worst episodes of the season. Uh, my worst character is whoever is responsible for writing this, the, the episodes for B'Elanna My worst character is not B'Elanna Torres. It is the writer responsible for locking this character permanently in the same fucking story every goddamn season with no alteration, with no growth. And poor Roxanne Dawson's got to go out there and keep trucking through this bullshit. I, I feel bad at this point for her as an actor for the shit she had to do 22 years ago.
1: Almost everybody, Doctor and Seven aside, are locked in the same character loops, and I'll complain about this again some more later on. However, Belana Torres is the poster child of it. She yeah. has such raw potential, wild potential to be fucking awesome, and they have just shackled her with the same Boring ass, right? Her most breakout moment in the season is Muse, where she's finally not combating her 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 human Klingon side. And in that one, she's just fucking crazy and <laughs> shredding the prime directive.
0: <laughs> With no reason, like no storyline reason, no consequence nothing. Just nothing. Context-free. And that was the her best moment. Like that probably had her best character moment when she was happy to see Harry. When yeah, she, was great. he survived. That was that's it. That's like the only thing in the entire 26 episodes that I can think back to Balana and be like, that was a nice moment. Uh my worst character is gonna tie into Shocky, uh, and that would be
1: Shocky's victim, Tom, who was just a complete and utter fucking shit bag this entire season. His undeserved promotion, which is just mind-boggling at the end. Um
0: we He got promoted in the same season that he put on a trash bag and allowed an alien computer to uh to uh abscond with with
1: him i mean tom's just a piece of shit over and over again it sucks i want to like tom tom can do cool stuff but again tom's caught in the same fucking character loop suicide spin where he just always reverts back to a piece of shit and
0: that sucks uh i didn't give it to tom because i really liked live fast and prosper And that was just a great Tom and Neelix episode. So to me, Bolana did not have that. And so Bolana was in the pole position.
1: My, uh, my co worst character is Janeway Janeway's insanity and Swiss cheese behavior is off the fucking charts. Alice, where she is complete Alice, which is going to be spoiler. One of my bottom three is such a bad portrayal of her where you have Tom very visibly fucking possessed by evil and just oh blana boys will be boys. Uh her acting completely fucking Batship and Equinox part two. It's just it this is a real bad season for Janeway with almost no high points, I think.
0: I look forward to talking about Equinox Part Two when we discuss one of our topics later on, which is Ron Moore and his brief stay on the show. Yeah. I almost think like those those first few episodes kind of exist in its own world. Um but let's get into the bottom three episodes, yeah. man. Speaking let's revel in some fucking garbage. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I I agree with you. I don't I feel like maybe some of the previous seasons have actually had lower lows than what six has had to offer, like the elogiums, the ex post fact. It was like, there's just farts lost in the wind that were a waste of time, but nothing really super offensive. I went with uh, Alice, which is dog, shit. although dog shit episode, fun episode to joke about. And oh and, yeah,
0: I enjoyed clowning it.
1: Yes. Very, <laughs> very memorable. I It's terrible, but it's memorable. And that counts for something in fandom. Uh, on the other hand, was one small step, which was so fucking boring and dumb that I forgot about it. And when I read my notes, and remembered what it was about. And it was a whole uh, uh, fucking episode dedicated to, hey, here's why Starfleet does Starfleet. And we're going to present it in the most boring and obtuse way possible. And then uh, I would say the worst one out there was Virtuoso, which was ridiculous, offensive. And pointless just pointless, pointless
0: pointless bad 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 and bad my dishonorable mention uh is is going to be sunat uh i do not Ooh. put it in my bottom three Ooh, joe you love sunat i do which is why it's not in my bottom three uh i love it despite itself right i love that it has jg i love that it has uh combs I, I love how fucking goofy and campy it is from a I just can't believe this is a real thing. And I'm watching a cross promotional episode between the WWE and Star Trek. Like the fact that it, it exists and I got to watch it and clown on it with you uh, gave me a great deal of personal joy. Uh, but let's face it, that was the s- just stupid. That was just the stupid thing that they had to do. And it just sits there as just a stinky turn in the middle of the season. And it is not objectively good, but there is worse. There is far worse. My number three uh, on my on my list is Barge of the Dead. Really? That episode was extraordinarily frustrating to me. Uh, it is why Bolana is on the bottom three li- uh, the bottom list as characters go. Pause. You used you. You had said going
1: into Barge of the Dead, even before we did the podcast, having watched the show recently that you liked it and then by so you're telling me that that basically our discussion about Bolanator's being anchored in this bullshit
0: was enough to poison the whole episode for you as someone who had liked it i re listened to our podcast as in, as you did about the show and man i remembered how angry i was as i started to really think about it of like how bad it was like as a disservice to Bolana's character and And the fans and anybody investing time in it. It just just stuck out to me as I went back and tried to review as much of this as possible as something that was offensive to me as someone who's watching the whole show. Like this was just terrible that this is where this character still is. And to clarify, I I hate the
1: fucking Klingon stuff. The CGI sucked, whatever. It wasn't a bad episode had it been season Season, two,
0: season one or two, season one. Had it been the first
1: time we really broached this subject, it was offensive as an episode because this was all stuff that has been dead and buried three, four, five times over. And yes, Ron Moore presented it in the best light possible. But at he that did. point, I, I'm yeah. tired of this fucking
0: story and you're insulting everybody. I And I like the Klingon stuff and I liked the CG and I thought it was well presented It's just... Holy shit. Like these guys just Great don't acting. know what else to do. They don't know what else to do. And Ron Moore came in with this take and they're like, sure, I guess. Like no one went and stopped and be like, no, we've we've kind of done this a couple times with this character. Literally once a season, we fucking do the same goddamn story with her. That just just pisses me off the more I think about it, that they just were that creatively bankrupt. So that's why it's my number three. It, it basically it bumped out the Irish episodes. From from jointly carrying the number three spot like I those get a those get a total pass. Mm -hmm. Uh, My my second worst uh, was virtuoso. Similar reasons, just terrible, awful, doesn't deserve to exist, does nothing pointless. Would you like to guess what my worst episode is?
1: Not (sighs) on your list, not anywhere near Um... apparently.
0: Dragon's teeth? No, I like I said. Dragon's teeth, I think, is actually great. It's just I love it. It's just that's <laughs> it's, why I hate it. Just pointless because <laughs> they didn't do
1: anything with it. Tragically pointless. I don't know what is it.
0: It's fury, Peter. It's what they did to our girl. Mm. Like the, lots of dra-
1: emotions, man. I, I fury comes up on my list a few different places.
0: You know, there's probably worse episodes qualitatively. You know, looking back through some of the things that we had endured, like the Voyager conspiracy was clearly worse than Fury, I think overall. Mm. But Fury demolished Kess in a way that was almost insulting to watch. And that they would bring her back to do that episode in the way that they did it just it just felt like it was disposable. And I I wish I could unmake that. I wish that episode just did not exist. I wish I could unmake it. Like the rest of Yeah, the rest of this garbage can continue to exist. That one I wish could I could unmake entirely. I don't want that to to happen. Chess truly, I'm sorry, Fury is the Picard of
1: Voyager. If if Picard, the series, was one episode just taking a beloved character and running it into the fucking dirt. Uh, You know, there's a lot of cool stuff in Fury and I'll talk about it later. But yeah, at the end of the day, uh, she was a great character and they just fucking assassinated her.
0: I legitimately think that us talking through a rework of that episode made us not hate it as much because we found a way to do that episode that was better. Yeah, and we got really into it. But when you really think about what they did and where we were talking about the episode itself, it's just. God yeah. what what a fucking insulting way to bring I this need the
1: way we talked about it to put a bandage on a very <laughs> open wound wound yeah um
0: let's do your best continuity moment yeah so Peter and I are reflecting on the fact that uh we talk about continuity a lot so we decided to break down uh the best continuity moment as we saw it in in the season and then uh, the worst uh continuity fail so uh, failure to understand their, their own continuity. Um, I know already, like fail was actually a lot easier for me to figure out. I kind of like came up with these awards because I had something specifically I wanted to call I figured. out I figured. using the fail. So best was actually a little bit harder for me. I, I'm, I, I was split between two options. One, obviously, I kind of just want to give it to Pathfinder because it, it served as continuity moving forward from TNG in a really cool way that was extremely respected by the writers in a way they don't respect their own show.
1: Barkley <laughs> <laughs> got more character growth in that episode jutting him forward than Belana Torres did all fucking
0: season. God, so accurate. But mm-hmm. your I number two. Uh, but my actual answer is actually the Voyager conspiracy? Uh, that episode has a ton of references to shit that happened shit, in the past. Right. That's completely accurate.
1: Try cobalt devices. Vices. I completely forgot about yeah, that.
0: Yeah. Like then talk about like that, that episode is just kind of dog shit, but that stuff is <laughs> really well done. Like Brian Fuller went through the fucking red pen and made sure all that shit was correct. Like that hands is hands down.
1: Amazing. That, that had, I thought about that, I would have put that down for my best continuity work. Uh, my best continuity moment, um, Special runner up is also Pathfinder, uh, a specific moment of Pathfinder, which is. Um, Nick Carno's picture.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> this fucking decipher Star Trek, the customizable card game uh, personnel picture from the card game framed sitting on Admiral Paris's desk. Uh, Very... Really just rubbing the face and whatever fucking writer from that TNG episode who gets zero royalties off of anything Voyager related. I love that. Um, I loved in fury, uh, the Vidians, the good choice, vile, sinister nature of those cannibalistic Nazi fucks was perfectly captured in that moment. Um, and there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in, uh, fury but as a throwback to that season two season three the the wild west days of voyager the joe carries samantha wildman's you know kind of voyager at its peak fun um i you know they, they did a great job bringing those guys right back in at full force i love the vidians i think they did god's work unfucking them from the terrible hole they had them in. And, you know, even the Kazon, all those early season guys,
0: Fred Durst's face. You were not a fan. And here you are singing their praises. Listen, they were doing it for the Nuki, No good. Now that it's why they put the work in, they fixed
1: the Vidians, they fixed the Kazon. They've introduced so many good species and they've thrown them all away so we can focus on the fucking Borg and this other tired ass bullshit. It's infuriating, but I, you know, I did genuinely enjoy seeing the Vidians come back. What's your worst continuity fail?
0: So I don't think that I could have gotten through this without bringing up Ashes to Ashes, a.k.a. Mm. Harry's Secret Canadian Girlfriend. Mm. That is why I wanted to bring this up, because the existence of Harry's Secret Canadian Girlfriend, a.k.a. Ensign Lindsay Ballard, uh, is the biggest continuity fail to me. There's apparently been throughout the entire run of the show most of the six seasons because that was relatively late i think in season six of this awesome lady who is a starfleet officer who's best friends from the academy with harry and uh just super rad 90s chick and died tragically a hero because of an away mission gone bad not to be confused with the other super rad
1: (laughs) chick that everybody loved and the doctor fucking went crazy about when he picked saving harry's life over her like this could have been anybody from 16 different storylines instead they invented someone completely brand new and just shit their pants so much it came out of the bottom of the
0: ankles of the pants. And in a lot of ways, Ashes Dash is indicative of the season. We both said at the time, the idea of this weirdo race that like takes dead people and turns them into like members of their own race, had there's some richness to Badass. that idea. There's some richness to that. I would have loved to have done more with that. And there's also richness to the idea of a dead background character or minor character coming back. <laughs> And, and that got entangled with that, and is dealing with the fact that everyone else moved on. And it, like you said, they had so many dead, like minor characters they could have like brought back around. Especially one where you had a whole episode tied to the doctor's trauma. What was that of called? letting her die? I uh, after image. Yes, Late, or latent image. No, latent image was the or maybe it was latent image. It was something image. We, we both remember it. It was season five. Great episode. Great episode. Uh, we, uh, we, we we it, w- it was near or, cl- or or like an honorable mention on our top three of the season last year. And hey, if you didn't want to go with that one, jump right into Good Shepherd,
1: which puts three very disposable lower decks crew members that could have very easily stepped in and, and occupied this role of, hey, here's someone we introduced. Now they're dead. And here's a conflict. And we're playing on. A- instead no it's just someone brand new that i don't buy at all that sticks out like a sore thumb awful uh obviously that's one of my continuity fails as well what any other honorable mentions
0: there no that's it i just that was that was 100 the one i wanted to bring up that that is the show not caring at all about its own continuity it's like the evil opposite of them painfully uh, reconstructing their own continuity in the Voyager conspiracy. It's, it's very weird that both of those things exist.
1: Ashes to Ashes is uh, on my list. I wanted to throw Kess's portrayal in Fury on there. I think ultimately it's irresponsible to put on a continuity fail. They portray her in her early years correctly. The way that we're presented with her on it, it, it's hard to watch. It could have made sense had they put her through some on screen hell to justify it. They didn't. I'd say in that respect, it's a weakest shit award candidate. Um, I'm going to say my worst continuity fail is the reoccurring character loops, especially towards the beginning of the season that we've already complained about heavily, specifically B'Elanna Torres, Tom uh, Janeway, forgetting that uh, the doctor is people and a lot of other big backslides just making us watch the same story over and over again. The continuity these people have fucking grown grow with them stop making me watch the same episode over and over again
0: uh, i did not include this on the list but i wanted to hit you with this question for our next award are you ready yep what was the biggest delta quadrant like brain fuck thing that they encountered this season like delta quadrant has a lot of nasty shit in it they run into some real eldritch horrors what was the number one bad thing that they ran into Jeez, uh, you're
1: putting me on the spot here, man. Um, what, what are you using for yours?
0: Memorial. They ran into the oh, uh, yeah. war memorial that literally beams you into space Vietnam, yeah. <laughs> which I thought like you were kind of cold on it because it was a little too serious. I thought it was really good because it was serious. I didn't ultimately like it was like one of the few kind of like a B level episodes, I would say, like pretty good. Not yeah, great. Like good acting, good moments, Uh, you know, good Neelix. This is probably Chakotay's best episode, I think, is like when he's dealing with with Neelix and Tom melting down over what happened. I'd have to look at my notes closer.
1: I feel like there's there's probably something scarier out there, but
0: I, right. I mean, and there's a lot of good me- options. You got Al- you got Alice. You have Bright- you have Stephen King's novel in space, right? You've got that. Um, I mean, you've got Equinox Part 2. You've got the UAC uh, Helltech Express <laughs> rolling through, burning uh, space babies <laughs> so they can get home in time. Yeah. You, you've got that. The child's play situation where they're using bioweapons to attack the borg that keep them under their boot heel you have you know the blood sports ship that an entire sector allows to occur so they can watch people die on paper yeah but i
1: mean i gotta compare this against the or like the, the fucking literal demon that sucks everybody into like an eternity of soul leeching hell like- I
0: mean that, that, that one is definitely not getting touched <laughs>
1: We've we've seen some very scary, terrible things in our time in the Delta Quadrant. I just oh, there was the,
0: where there was riddles. There was the episode where they had the invisible monster. Uh the X Files. Fox Mulder was trying to
1: find. Yeah, those dudes are pretty scary. Um, yeah, uh, I, I I I'll think about it and I'll chime off on that, but I do kind of want to pivot that into because Memorial. I wasn't super sweet on just cause Vietnam war movies, aren't my cup of tea, but it. it okay. So uh, I, I got one. I didn't put on your list either, but it's best dramatic moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like Memorial specifically that the trope of war crimes in a Vietnam scenario, it's something everybody has accessible. All of these actors are able to, to reach out and hit those notes. It's not something that these guys get to express often because they're all goody two shoe Starfleet people. So getting to see the Voyager crew uh, portray the roles as um, mentally scarred soldiers responsible for terrible things and fighting in the briefing room. Um, There were some really great, intense emotional exchanges there.
0: Yeah, and this in Memorial was also the episode that had the, the pivotal scene between Neelix and Seven of Nine where they're discussing her own personal guilt over what, uh, she did as a, as a Borg drone. And I would consider that another competitor for best dramatic moment of the season where you know, you have a lot of these characters who are dealing with the kind of pain that they weren't accustomed to. And the people that were dealing with it best were actually the people accustomed to dealing with it. Cause they've done things, you know, like, like Chicote, who was a terrorist or seven of nine, who was a drone, you know, like they're the ones that are able to remain functional through a very difficult circumstance because they have that trauma, pers- you know, experience that trauma personally. I also want to throw a nod out to Barge of the Dead, which at the
1: end, when the evil crew members in Klingon hell are are tough-loving Belana, and she's being broken down, like, again, it's well-covered ground, but I think that Roxanne Dawson just knocks that out of the park so fucking hard. Uh, she just plays that anguish and victimization so well. I love it.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's done it so many fucking times, but she's really good at it now.
1: Uh, Joe, I want to break out the weakest shit award, because this is always one that takes a bit to
0: discuss. So if you are new to V'ger, please, if you have not uh, been part of the V'ger, please uh, journey from the beginning, you may need a little bit of an explanation. But the weakest shit comes from an early episode of season one called Jotrell, where Voyager in the... Denouement uh, Encounters a situation where they could Potentially save hundreds of thousands Of dead By galactic super weapon Talaxians and Only half acidly attempt To assist almost succeed On accident and then decide to Give up and it's so weird And disjointed a moment Of of the decision To like give up trying to do this When it was clearly working that was uh, incensed Peter so much that he's like, this is the weakest shit. This is just such so weak shit. And then we noticed that as we continued through the show, there were many other moments that could be described and using similar language. Thus was born the lore of the weakest shit award and certainly season six. Had its fucking Season share, stuff. Peter. Season oh, stuff. my God. So there's much a
1: smorgasbord shit. here, man. A lot of the stuff we've already discussed heavily, like the character loops and stuff like that. Uh, I want to throw a quick honorable mention out there is uh, Chicote, who is the most educated person about Tuskanatskaya or whatever. Mm-hmm. Somehow not knowing that at a certain point it turns into fucking death matches. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe it's not cool for everybody in the Federation to be rooting for this shit. God, I I don't even know how to present these dragon's teeth, which laid the groundwork for an amazing new villain uh, action figure line that I was very excited to play with. Never having any follow up whatsoever, like. (laughs) Offense, maddening, but not offensive. Uh, The weakest shit on this, I think it's really fucking personal and, and vile in this episode, the lack of UGG in. Yeah, in, in Unimatrix Zero. Zero, this bullshit love romance they jam in there instead of fucking Magnus uh, Hansen, Seven of Nine's father to bridge that and, and tear fucking Dark Frontier out of the gutter and maybe give us something good there. The lack of UG is unforgivable. The complaints I had right at the beginning of the season, because you had Equinox, you had, what was it Survival Instinct, right? You brought in the Equinox crew member survivors. You've got this Bajoran former Borg that was abducted at Wolf 359. These really rich, great character stories, these new people in the ship. And instead of fucking telling great stories about a lady with 30 days to live or these war crime second-class citizens on Voyager, you're fucking shoving you're shoving Alice and one small small step and virtuoso in these silly bullshit episodes instead of fucking amazing killer episodes, like unforgivable. But my weakest shit, I called the moment we saw it in Equinox part two and I'm sticking to my guns. All right. The simple flip of a switch where you just <laughs> yeah. disable the ethics subroutine of the EMH and this person who is a human being the most Human of humans on Voyager, the most character development, the most charming, the doctor instantly goes from being a a wholesome person who has had this emotional journey to this flat, two-dimensional, fucking mustache-twirling villain was so infuriating and insulting that I cannot forgive season six. Fuck that shit.
0: It's hard to beat that. I did not pick that, but a uh, respectable choice. Uh, I think that there's two ways to look at weakest shit, weakest shit that like production did and weakest shit that we actually like saw as part of the storyline. Weakest shit in terms of production was going to be 100 percent dragon's teeth, like setting up the Vardwar and all of this lore and all of this information and just doing a banger of an episode, spending a ton of money on it, too. Like that had great effects. They did a new landing effect for that, like orbital bombardment was off the hook. And then just they literally never show up ever again after that. When the final words of the episode, as you may remember, are, oh, well, that's not the last scene seen of them. <laughs> Narrator, it was uh, like that was the weakest shit production side to me. I, I took a more comedy element to the weakest shit. You're you're right. Like the thing with the doctor was unforgivable. But the very next episode, Survival Instinct Okay, remember how the Borg semi-drones broke into the security of the ship where apparently all they have to do is like press two buttons and plug in and they just turned a fucking valve like they were turning on a garden hose. They're like solving a puzzle and Resident Evil 2 would be even harder than what they had to do. Considerably
1: (laughs) harder. Considerably (laughs)
0: harder. To to break into the computer of Voyager. It was just another just perfect example of the laughable nature of Starfleet security to the point of parody that it was so low effort for them to do this. It was what's so weak, but I guess it's not nearly as quite as, as special as yours. So I'm going to assent to the fact that I think yours was actually not special, just fucking
1: viciously offensive. Um, What's your biggest trap queen moment? Trap queen, of course, being in the vein of Janeway, willfully gleefully flying into the, the the jaws of danger acting like I, she doesn't know what's up
0: i have a great trap queen moment but i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna pull a a, a twist on you i'm gonna subvert your expectations the okay. trap queen queen this year was Chicote, and it was one Ooh. small step because everything he did in that episode was him just falling into this horrific trap <laughs> he was S seven of nine calls them
1: out for it every step of the way. Yeah,
0: it was just the stupidest fucking shit. And it reminded me so much of what Janeway would do, which is willfully you put themselves in danger for no reason.
1: I split mine uh, in the vein of Janeway, who is the trap queen. Her decision to fly headfirst into the fucking Vietnam planet memorial brain drain trap. That was real trap, Queenie. Uh, it was. And special mention to Seven of Nine waking up all the space Nazis and unleashing blight upon the Delta Quadrant. But that got whisked away in a moment. That never mattered again. So she gets a pass, I guess. I
0: I still think Chakotay might be the biggest trap queen of the season. I like going. Let's go into the giant orange vortex thing. Uh, and then you got seven of nine repeating every step of the way. This is why this is a terrible idea and we're all going to die. She's completely correct at every stage. <laughs> like, it's it's just perfect trap queen behavior, but it was Chicote doing it. What's your best-o snap moment, a.k.a. plot twists? Uh, I mean, the whole of live fast and prosper, like the last 20 minutes of live fast and prosper is a perfect example of that you know neelix takes the fall gets tagged by the fake phaser stage the breakout Mm -hmm. use the doctor fake looking like they drug people i mean and then you don't see that that's what's happened
1: until the end Uh, my that's one of my lifeline or not lifeline um the live fast and prosper it's a fourth wall breaker for me it's those snap moment was like oh damn tom and neelix have a great game they're running these guys it was oh snap the writing room is actually going to admit that they remember that these guys used to be <laughs> fucking scumbags yeah like that that blew my fucking mind when i was like these guys should oh my god that this is all intentional um also uh echeb turning out to be a bioweapon completely out of left field hit me right in the feels that was some real shit there yeah, I mean, and you know, then the parrot that one is particularly potent for you you know yeah. like big big feels there and then lifeline um you know, the shame that uh, Zimmerman felt about the the Mark ones and like his true motivation as to why he hated the, the Mark one uh, because of wounded pride and, and misplaced uh, feelings like that. I, th- I thought that was really great.
0: Uh, who's your best guest star? I honorable mention to Robert Picardo for playing another character and therefore I think um, should get credit for that. Uh, I'm also going to just leave out uh, Dwight and Miranda Sertis. Because I don't think you can really count them. They're not really guest stars. They're recurring characters from another show. Uh, So actual answers, Crowley. I really just loved what they were able to build in a relatively short amount of time with that episode and with with his anguish over what was happening to his son and that he was not okay with it, but still like allowing himself to go along with it as his wife kind of like puts the pressure on him that he had to. Um, and, and that was all very well handled in the episode. And I think it, it epitomizes the guest star. Cause it was, I, I always feel like one and done. I don't like the fact that the wizard from the D D movie, uh, Tal Sellis, showed up twice and assaulted Harry Kim with a chair. I also mentioned that that was fun. I'm mad. <laughs> and, and you
1: could, I'm sure this is a fucking joke. That's been beaten to death. Maybe on other podcasts. I don't know. But the fact it never dawned on me to call her Bay Jordan, like B A E.
0: <laughs> she is bae she is bae absolutely agreed. Um, my best guest star I, I hope she and that fucking nerdy hypochondriac guy hook up you know off screen you know because they were giving the uh, energy out they looked like they were going
1: to get sure together. there's plenty of fan fiction out there to explore that possibility and as, uh, we've,
0: as we've noted in the past i'm able to find it and share it with you keep it yourself
1: Uh, best guest star is a reoccurring character. You might know as Neelix. He, uh, (laughs) I'm glad they brought him
0: back this season for a couple episodes.
1: Yeah, no. Um, Kes, it was great to see her back. Uh, Kes and Neelix. I think that's probably, that should have been my best continuity moment was them recapturing the magic in the mess hall. And, and a lot of, him leading her to dinner
0: with a little note
1: him making her laugh even though she was old and crusty like that nostalgia felt really good even though i hated them as a couple that's just because i didn't know that tom and balana were going to be the worst couple i wanted to hate <laughs> I, I think my favorite my best guest star is the the hologram of michael from the fucking fairhaven simulations Ooh, i hate yeah i it's actually a good f- choice I hate Fairhaven, but like so many other things like Dark Frontier, you could have completely redeemed those episodes and made them have value if you realized the potential you had laid out there. If Michael was allowed to be a reoccurring character that is a sentient hologram that occasionally got to use the mobile hollow emitter and used Irish bartender philosopher charm on you know uh fucking malorn or tuscan on the rock or whatever like you could have done some really cool shit with him instead you squandered it as this goofy janeway fuck toy we threw him away the actor was great the character was good despite being attached to dog shit episodes um and
0: i was great he he would personified the irish bartender charm I agree. Like all of the potential of using him as a recurring character would have really redeemed having to sit through two of those episodes mm-hmm. in Irish McIrish Town. Uh, and I think we were talking about like, imagine if the con Tom worked out involved him going to the holodeck and getting Michael and slap like using him as a yeah. third in their in ah. their like cut. Con- like I need I need an old Irish bartender level of cunning to pull this together and and brought him in as the decoy. If the last
1: episode of Star Trek Voyager, some, and I know the Borg are involved somehow or whatever. The last moment was the Borg Queen closing in on Janeway and, you know, the Janeway sacrifices. It's just something blah, blah, blah. And at the end, the gotcha bitch moment and then the hologram flickers and it's really Irish bartender Michael saying, nope you got had like if if that were to happen i would stand up and flip a fucking table over and go so ape shit cheering (laughs) like what a reward but it would never happen but i mean just god like it would have been so
0: fucking cool that uh. and and they they didn't do it i'm pretty sure it had to be on their mind that they had just done it in ds9 because vic fontaine Uh, don't ruin stuff for me okay Oh 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 I thought you said Vic Fontaine like
1: save Cisco. Somehow. No 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 no!
0: I wasn't gonna say anything, but Vic Fontaine as a character was a recurring holodeck sentient holodeck character that became an ongoing figure that impacted what was happening on the show. Right? Like they they actually did that. It was really cool, and everyone liked it. And they're like, "Well, we can't just do the same thing again," which is dumb. They totally should have biggest fuck the federation moment. I, I, how could you say anything but muse, right? Like you've got B'Elanna down there shredding the prime directive for fun. Like no reason to go to, uh, you know, space Euphrates, uh, fucking play, except I just want everyone to see that I'm a fucking Klingon with my little hood on with and,
1: transporters
0: and give him tips on how he's going to talk, you know, break the prime directive even more. And then I'm just getting beamed out in front of everyone because style points like it's, a hundred percent just fuck the federation it's so fuck the federation no one even brings up in the episode that what she's doing is bad
1: i can't give janeway a pass for yet again uh pardoning the borg from an extinction level event uh you know each bioweapon the most uh recent example of this like you want to talk about fucking the federation it's keeping the borg up on their feet uh, I want to throw out some honorable mentions here, man. Loved villains. I thought the potato heads from, uh, Tinker, Tenor, Dr. Spy were really cool. Um, uh, the doctor type. who villains
0: is I, essentially what they were very
1: different for anything we see in Voyager. Cool concept, cool, visually distinctive from, uh, all the other shitheads that we've encountered in the Delta quadrant, uh, dragon's teeth, snake men, Nazis also pretty cool. Anybody else stand out to you this season?
0: as far as villains are concerned. Yeah. I, you know, looking back through here, trying to see if anything really like tops, uh, the Vodwar, who are extremely well-developed, you know, as a potential villain race. Um, then I don't think anything's beating it. Uh, I will say that as like an individual villainous character, I kind of liked that space that the writers chose to make space. Vince McMahon, an actual like blood sports, you know, style, Abuser <laughs> who goes completely unpunished and all of his victims continue to be
1: victimized. When exactly like real want. life,
0: Peter? Come on, man!
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I felt a little let down by the Voyager conspiracy. Like some really cool, like said, uh, like you said, groundwork there about. Hey, uh, here's the tricobalt devices. But I, my initial impressions of what that episode should have been versus what it was. I I think you could have had a cool hybrid lower decks moment there where she's getting into people's business uh, and you're drawing in a lot of secondary members, maybe Maki sells like some cool stuff they could have explored instead of just putting Janeway against Chakotay in this ridiculous, I'm here to shoot you moment. That was just stupid. And the whole thing could have been diffused just by a simple conversation that nobody was willing to have.
0: So I think we've we've. Given out enough awards, I would like to conclude our season six discussion with something I teased at the beginning, which is talking about Ron Moore. Because we started the season talking about Ron Moore a lot because Ron Moore famously came on after DS9 had wrapped and got involved with writing on this show, did the first three three episodes scripts and then bounced because he could not Deal with the stifling environment that he was confronted with. It kind of burned all of his bridges with the Trek people, uh, and ultimately led to Battlestar Galactica existing, um, which I guess we'll pay homage to here in a couple of weeks when we review it for our patrons. Uh, so, I have a question for you: If Ron, Mo- if let's let's wind the clock back to 1999, and let's fix Ron Moore's relationship with Brandon Braga and everybody else. And let's say he stays on as a force in the production and writing room team region of Voyager. Is he able to save this show from itself? Is he enough? Like did what we see in those first three episodes suggest he was going to be able to pull a new direction here? Because honestly, Equinox part two was decent. Survival Instinct was good. Barge of the Dead was bad. None of it was exceptional. Um, It was all well developed in each individual episode, but by no means anything that suggested he had some kind of special sauce. Now, it's a small sample size. Hard to know. Clearly, his work on other shows was fantastic. So what do you think? Would Ron Moore have helped this show?
1: Uh, No, absolutely not. I, think I agree with you if for the, you for look, the I think if you look at Battlestar Galactica, you see exactly what would have ultimately happened and, and what already started happening with Voyager in the little bit of time he was able to touch it. And that is Ron Moore uh, sucks at religion and Ron Moore fucking loves religion. And I think he would have dragged season six of Voyager right down some goofy fucking religious hole like he started in barge of the dead and going back to barge of the dead for a quick moment one of the biggest offensive not offensive one of the one of the worst things about barge of the dead is it gives almost concrete confirmation that there is klingon afterlife and there's no there's no moral ambiguity as to what's going on there you contrast that with uh the zombie neelix nanoprobes like oh god uh, the tree of life isn't real and or at least I, i think it's not real i'm gonna kill my like that was a a standout episode versus core of like, Hey, uh, this is all real and it's good. And it's again, you see exactly what he would have done in Voyager and Battlestar Galactica. And a lot of battle star Galactica is great early on, but it hits this
0: turning point and it just gets fucking stupid. And uh, Battlestar Galactica is like, like a perfect case study for screenwriting one one of what happens when you don't have a fucking plan. Uh, I I think as bad as the DC uh, movie universe has been in terms of that, or the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy was bad at at that, uh, Battlestar Galactica I think is still number one with the bullet the worst when it comes to having a great idea and then not really developing where it goes until it's too late and all you have is left is to do literal deus ex machina's. And it's sloppy and amateurish in a lot of ways. And to me, Ron Moore is someone who's succeeded in creative endeavors when he is constrained by other source material or concepts. The other shows he's made that are good are constrained in those ways. When he's let off the leash, he just does things and then doesn't think it through. And I am ultimately agreeing with you that Ron Moore I don't think would have helped. But I also think he wouldn't have helped because there was no saving that writing room. If he had been involved there and managed to maintain his relationships, he would have just really have had his scripts moved around. He'd had a lot of like story credits, but it wouldn't have been solo stuff. You know, like it's just by this time you look through a lot of the scripts uh, for the season and it's a lot of like five or six names between teleplay and story.
1: But at the same time, I feel like Fuller was able to get a lot of good mileage. I, I, I don't know, man. I think that uh, that Ron Moore's biggest enemy is Ron Moore, and and if you enjoy the religious stuff in Battlestar Galactica, maybe maybe something cool would have happened there. But if Fuller is able to to bring about the change that we saw once he came on board, I think that um I don't know, maybe maybe Ron Moore could have been a strong enough personality. He could have ran some of the scrub talent out of there and and dislodged some bullshit. And who knows what Ron Moore. And Fuller could have done cooperating with, you know, Fuller could be like, hey, listen, I've actually watched the first five seasons. Let me
0: <laughs> let me take you through. What we're let me
1: give you right some right. notes.
0: Let me give you the cliff notes version here. Uh, it, but I, I think our thesis statement has really truly proved itself for the show. Our show, our review, which is that Voyager is the unloved child of the Trek universe. And we're really seeing why. It is incredibly inconsistent and uneven. We have watched most of it, right? We have watched the vast majority of Star Trek Voyager at this juncture. We have some of its best material left before us, so that's nice. uh, But we've seen a lot, and we've seen a lot of lows and not nearly as enough of highs. And I feel like I get it now as to why this show just kind of got – slowly kind of circled the drain and ratings never took off everything they tried to do to 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 revive this thing just never never worked and um and it's sad because between watching this with you putting the effort
1: and the time and energy reading about on memory alpha the excellent insight that comes from listening to delta flyers and uh you know those two guys talk about it like these are characters i've come to love these are actors that for the most part I really respect and to see them trying their heart out and scripts just stabbing them in the back like a few names aside I think like everybody does a good job holding down their characters portrayals and yeah the,
0: the actors at this point got it dialed in right they know what they're doing and who they're playing. They have six years of experience in they're good at what they're doing the characters yeah like they they know they can get into their space in a way that that depth, And I've no complaints about anyone's performance on the main cast, aside from Harry Kim, Garrett Wang's still unapologetically, unapologetically a terrible actor. The one episode he he had the season with his Canadian girlfriend demonstrated that. Aside from that, his his and that's a systemic weakness. Everybody else was good.
1: But, yeah, it's, you know, it's failures of the writing room and. Again, may, maybe it's further up the food chain. Maybe it's beyond Rick Berman. Maybe it's UPN execs saying like, this is the stuff we don't want you doing, which coincidentally is what the fan base would have actually wanted you to do. But this thing needs to be marketable as syndicated and we need stations to buy these episodes. We're not marketing to uh, Star Trek fans. We're marketing to uh, purchasers from network or uh, you know affiliates. And, and that's how it's going to be. And this is the
0: result. I'm happy to say, as we look ahead to season seven, you're going to enjoy a lot of it, right? Like there's just a ton of good individual episodes that we have before us, a couple interesting two parters here and there. This is going to be season seven. They know they're ending the season. So they do a lot of let's wrap shit up. Let's wrap up smaller storylines. And they do so, I think in a very, uh, uh, satisfactory way in many in many respects
1: what storylines is my question Uh, you know there's with everybody just sticking to these loops it's hard to sit there and say like aside from seven of nine and the doctor and maybe blana and tom like who really has an open story that needs some sort of tom and his dad
0: well if you want an example i can give you one of of a premise of an episode in season seven, so you can kind of get an idea here. Okay. Aren't you curious what happens to the uh the Hirogen? Joe <laughs> It happens to the Herogian after they get all of that holotech technology? They actually resolve that. They actually have a two part episode about that.
1: I wouldn't say that I'm interested uh until you told me that was a possibility and Right. Now that's a story I'm interested in hearing. So that's cool. Yeah,
0: it's it's stuff like that where they're like, "Oh, this thing happened. We should we should we should readdress
1: what the consequences of that." Aren't were. you interested in what happens to those Equinox crew members? There's. Some- Aren't you interested to what happens to all the Maquis who have to reintegrate into the Starfleet Federation? Funny you should bring that up. Well, you've told me they don't touch
0: on that, again. Oh,
1: you're a big fat liar, Joe.
0: Well, one thing that I'm not going to be a liar about is you and I wrapping up our season six rip by talking about our future. We are going to do another podcast after we've wrapped up Voyager. The intention is we're going to we're going to shoot through season seven. We're going to do a season seven uh, sort of retrospective, and then we're gonna do a, a final episode that will wrap up our thoughts about the entire show. Where we'll get out, give out entire series awards and all of that. We'll probably do that wow, as a that live stream. So really,
1: much fucking research on that. I'm very
0: afraid. <laughs> so am I. But I really also want to use that as an opportunity, hopefully, to get as many people in there as possible to remind our for fresh our boomer minds about, <laughs> about having it, the show. To be fair, we're like Gen Xers years. at the oldest, right? We might stick to uh, Facebook, yeah. but we we are Gen X at the oldest. That is correct. Don't, uh, but this Boomer's a mindset, not an age. Oh. Um, so, uh, we we won't wrap up uh season seven. We might end up wrapping up season seven actually before even the year is over. But uh, the intention is Peter and I are going to continue. We're going to do another show. We've already decided we're doing one. Uh, we really enjoy creating the. The podcast we really love our listeners. We we're shocked at how much we've enjoyed interacting, finding all of the, our listeners and interacting with them, and how cool they are. Like seriously, you guys are awesome. Uh, so we want to keep that going. However, there's been an open kind of question between Peter and I about what the topic of that show is going to be. A Trek review show, yes, but we'll what Star Trek show? We just know for certain it won't be TNG. I feel that's kind of like done by too many people for it to be. Uh, something that we really want to get ourselves into. And that leaves two other options when we're talking about Burma era that Peter specifically hasn't seen. So we would be kind of adopting the same line as I've seen it and Peter has not. And that is deep space nine and enterprise. Now I have been passionately standing, if you will, for enterprise because I think enterprise is criminally underrated. I think that it is worthy of examination in the exact way that we like to examine things. And it's also four seasons instead of seven, which is just a little bit less of an investment.
1: Uh, I've never seen Deep Space Nine. All I hear about is how great Deep Space Nine is. I really want to watch Deep Space Nine, Um, much to the chagrin of my wife. I am continuing this podcast, which is a weekly episode of Star Trek, and then an hour and a half of talking about Star Trek the next day. You know, I think at the end of the day, the the right answer for us is going to be Enterprise. Um, Oh, okay.
0: So you've come around a little bit.
1: You know, we're here to talk Trek, but we're also here to have fun and make jokes, and it's easy to make jokes about bad stuff. And my fear is that Deep Space Nine is too good and it's just going to turn into more lifeline where we're sucking an episodes dick instead of making fun of the, the lows and the gags and the low budget bad so i i think that for our podcast enterprise is probably going to be a more fun podcast and uh, i'm intrigued by your accolades that you know there's continuity and a lot of good world building and other stuff even though it's not a, a a Starfleet chevron in sight.
0: Yeah, the so I I'm I'm glad to hear you've you've come. A, I'm sorry, a, Starfleet
1: a Delta. I guess is the correct word for that that
0: symbol. I agree that maybe DS Nine is so good that it's actually hard for us to kind of get on brand with our comedy with it. That was a concern I had as well. Of I would be sucking too much of Cisco's D. To ever look at it critically and and the way that it probably needs to be examined. However, uh, Enterprise certainly has a its own share of shall we say uh, gaffes and and things to make fun of, but it has some of the coolest characters. I think Doctor Phlox is just amazing. The the physician on the ship on the ship is just a very unique take. I think he is the most doctory of all doctors, if that makes sense. Like he really gets in the idea that he's a medical professional and it, and in, in, the details in his performance, I think belay that. Um, I think that the premise of the show, which is like, this is the first time that anyone from earth is like going into deep space. And so it's very uh, reminiscent of some of the stuff we've seen, which is like space is fucking wild and some bad shit happens. Uh, you know, we'll discuss that more once we actually arrive at the time. But OK, I guess it's settled. Then, man, I will say that I
1: want if we get through Enterprise. And if we're still looking for more, Deep Space Nine is going to be that chocolate cake sitting on the shelf as I get through another fucking course of.
0: And Russell I guess it Spout depends on how many more kids you and Casey have while we're doing
1: this show. Yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, so so in and end, you know, here we are laying season six finally to rest. I think season six has been perfectly encapsulated by the world around us as we've gone through it, which is overshadowed, of course, by COVID. And as uh, COVID has sucked ass, so did season <laughs> six. And uh, what a great memory to have through it. Uh, Joking aside, though, being stuck inside was rough. A lot of good times were missed. And, you know, having the podcast, having the community, having the conversations, the laughs, and just something to do to keep my mind off of uh, a shitty state of affairs was a real lifesaver. So I'm grateful for
0: it. I share your sentiment entirely. This was all much easier to deal with when watching bad episodes of Star Trek and looking forward to talking to you about it, Peter, and then Uh, Looking forward to what everyone else had to say about it uh, as we as we put the episodes out. So uh, much love to uh, our supporters, both uh, those that are paying on Patreon. And again, as mentioned, we'll be getting to you a review of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Speaking of Ron Moore, (laughs) is he involved in Ron uh, Razor? Yes, absolutely. He was involved with everything. He was involved with that spinoff show Caprica. Do you remember that? No. Probably probably not because most people didn't cuz no one fucking watched it. I remember saying about Caprica and this is a teaser for this discussion. Uh I wasn't watching it and I said to our mutual friend Mike, uh, a small uh, LARPer, presently live a former LARPer that lives in Colorado. Uh, I said Mike, if I'm not watching that show, who the fuck is? (laughs) Like, who's... If I'm not watching it, and I'm a huge Uh, Battlestar Galactica fan, who's watching this fucking show? Was Dean Stockwell involved? (laughs) No. No, there you go. So thank you so much to everyone out there who's listening to us on our hateful voyage for the Delta Quadrant, and we will see you next week when we review Season 7, Episode 1, Unimatrix Zero, Part 2, and begin our final journey.